Yes, we'll have a first reading from 1 John, chapter 3. Um, This is God's word. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or know him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteousness. Our second reading is taken from Psalm 4. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me. And hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honour be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts, on your own beds, and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Can we ask you to remain standing, please, for the Gospel? The Gospel according to Luke chapter 24 and commencing at verse 36. Glory be to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And this is an account of Jesus appearing uh, to the disciples. Let me read the following. While the two were telling them this, suddenly the Lord himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were terrified thinking that they were seeing a ghost. But he said to them, Why are you alarmed? Why are these doubts coming up in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet, and see that it is I myself. Feed me, and you will know, for a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. He said this, and then showed them his hands and his feet. They still could not believe that they were so full of joy and wonder. And so he asked them, have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of cooked fish, which took and ate in their presence. And then he said to them, these are the very things I told you about while I was still with you. Everything written about me in the law of Moses, the writing of the prophets and the Psalms has come true. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, This is what is written. The Messiah must suffer and must rise from the the death from the dead three days later. 
and in his name the mischief of repentance and forgiveness of sins must be preached to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are my witness of these things, and I myself will send upon you what my Father has promised. But you must wait in the city until the power from above comes upon you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. In that reading, James read to us earlier from John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, we read these lovely words. My dear friends, we are now God's children, but it is not yet clear what we shall become. But we know when he appears, he shall be like, we shall be like him as he really is. Last Sunday, I mentioned that it was known generally as Low Sunday. And possibly the reason for this was all of the excitement that had led up to Easter and over Easter. It seemed to evaporate. What has happened? And so we find the disciples gathered together. We looked at last Sunday in the upper room. They were frightened. They were afraid to come out. And we find Thomas full of doubt and trying to... He wasn't there the first time Jesus appeared. But secondly, even then, when he looked at Jesus, he wasn't too sure. He said, I can't believe. And so only when Jesus showed him his hands, he said to Jesus, Thomas said to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Easter is over. What now? And so both our readings seek to reassure us that because of Easter, now we're in a better place to be able to know God's grace daily in our lives and to be able to walk with him and share his fellowship with we are now and then one day go to live with him. And so as the disciples slowly but surely climbed out of the tsunami of the events that had happened and still they were covered with confusion they're beginning to wonder what they saw, could they believe, did it really happen? And so they're literally, as we would say today, covered in confusion and fear. And as I thought about this confusion of the disciples, I began to realise that we too, as we have come out of COVID, that we have had all kinds of emotions, and a lot of them similar to the disciples. We are aware still are confused, or still afraid, or afraid to go out, or afraid to mix, or asking, well, this has happened, what now? Where do we go from here? Nobody can tell us, not even those who are. They do are afraid, and they are afraid to lead us in the wrong direction. And so they get criticised because they're not stepping out and saying, come, you know, step over the line. And so we too, are in confusion and can understand something of what the disciples felt in the upper room. And when we looked at these uh, uh, readings uh, from the lectionary, I thought, yeah, I can understand the reading of Jesus appearing the second time to the disciples, but why does first John come into this? And then as I read it, I began to realise what John is setting out to do is to try and make sense of all that has happened over Easter and to reassure us. Yes, it has happened. And as a result, 
as we step out of what happened at Easter, this is what is going to happen. And so John very clearly, uh, in his letter, shows this uh, to people and tries to reaffirm and to sort of do away, disseminate some of this confusion that the people were having. And so the first, I suppose, reason for John is doing it, uh, uh, speaking in this way, one of John's positive motives is to provide assurance of salvation to those who put their trust in Jesus Christ. Paul speaks of then of the privilege it is to be a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And then he takes a step forward and he says, ah, and then he says that the revelation, he says, of Jesus Christ at the end of the age and for the full revelation of what God is going to provide for them who love him. Three lovely steps in this letter that he takes the people through to seek to confirm to them and affirm what Jesus had been teaching and what he has done. In this day and age you find people, and Thomas was the same, I believe that theory, I want fact. So we have the first fact is because God loves us. You may say, how do you know that? Well, God loves us so much that he gave. And he gave us only son to die for us. And that means that then we come become the sons of God. Dare we not call ourselves to be the sons, or indeed the daughters of God? We can, because of what Christ has done on Calvary. There are many good people today who would maybe be too timid to say, and would be, wouldn't feel very happy to say, well, I'm a son or a daughter of God. And it might be because of the fact that, yes, God's grace, yes, but I can't do this for myself. I need to add on good works to that to make sure that the grace that God has given and this added on of the good works that then I know I will be prepared for heaven. Now, good works is taken as an as, as an is, as part of our Christian walk with God. Because we're followers of Christ, therefore we do the good works automatically or we should do these good works for the part and parcel of all of the faith in uh, God and Christ. This hesitation of people calling themselves perhaps uh, the son or daughter of God, it could be as a result of maybe like Thomas. They're doubtful and the fear that well, I, I, I don't understand it all. And I'm doubtful that this sort of could be, how could God, great almighty, open heaven, accept me as a son or a daughter? So we're doubtful. Secondly, we find that some people hesitate because they don't understand what's in the Bible and what it teaches and about the possibility of having a relationship with God. And John goes on to speak very clearly in a simple letter about the sonship. And he speaks about sonship in great confidence. 1 John 5, 13, he says, I am writing to you that you may know that you return eternal life and that you believe in the Son of God. This assurance then of eternal life is not just waiting until we leave the scene of time. Rather, it is for the, not only for the future, but it's for the here and now. It begins with the here and now within us. In other words, eternal life is a present possession. We don't have to wait to we go to eternity to have it. It begins in the here and now. Paul also, he puts in, he's talking to us along John, 
And he goes on to say that we can become the sons and daughters by the help and through the help of the Holy Spirit. This assures that of sonship surely should give us some comfort and security. Assurance of sonship should inspire loveliness and gratitude. Assurance of sonship equips us to be Christ's messengers. I told over what that's for us to be. When we find this for ourselves, that we share it with others. So that is the first fact. Secondly, let us look then at the nature of our sonship. Our sonship then is spiritual. It is a result of the creative activity of God's Holy Spirit when we receive Christ into our lives. Our sonship then is divine. This link with God and us, it is divine. He didn't place us on earth to push us to one side and get on with life. And sometimes we feel we have to, things are not working out, and we feel we're afloat out in the middle of the sea of life. But God is with us by his Holy Spirit. Our sonship then is not only spiritual, but it is divine. And when we become partakers of the divine nature, the nature of God, get this, he's planted inside in our lives, and that is within our souls. We find this in 1 John 3 and 9. In other words, to use the phrase, we become new creatures in Christ Jesus. So our sonship is eternal, and it is the giving of the eternal life to the soul. Thirdly, the privilege of this sonship. Imagine that we can not only say, our Father, as we pray our prayers, but we can say, my Father. He can be our personal Father to each one of us. Yes, he's in heaven above. He knows the past, the present, and the future. He knows our needs. He will meet our needs. He loves us, and he proves that. He understands us. He is impartial. And also to realize that God becomes our Father, and Jesus Christ becomes our elder brother. Why? He is our Saviour, and he has come and is here and now, this present life, preparing a place for you and I. And then also, the great news is we become a member of God's great family. In Southern Ireland, where most of my uh, ministry has been, our numbers are small. And sometimes we get discouraged maybe in our churches because the numbers are so small. And we say, well, we're not very important in the Diocese of Clonmore or indeed the great worldwide church. We are all important. And if um, you had, those of you who are into cars, if there's a tiny bit missing of the engine, what happens? So we too, in our little way, we are part and parcel of this great big wheel, as it were, that it's a, throughout the world, throughout the diocese, we are part of that. And never forget that. You're not just an isolated nobody. We are part, the son of the father and the brotherhood of Christ and part of the big family of God. And so we're united. It's lovely to think of those that have gone before us. And when they, if they've gone, with the faith in Christ and God in heaven, we too know that one day, what a beautiful family reunion that will be. We're also united in the here and now. 
It's interesting, uh, yesterday I was on the phone to somebody, uh, one of the prisoners, and she said to me, when we're finished now with Zoom, she says, I find it very hard to get dressed in the morning, get organised, go out to church. And I just replied and thought, now I said to her, Eileen, uh, things, uh, habits don't die slowly, so I'll see you back in church. And then people were saying to me, uh, we really miss people. And in, down in the south, we're out of church really more or less for the whole year. And it's not the same to see people on Zoom. And you can't sort of talk to them. And uh, when people are saying now, wouldn't it be great to get back to church and to meet with people, see people and have their wee chat again? And we took that for granted prior to COVID. Oh, we just got up and went to church. It's the, the dumb thing, the thing you do. But now we realise it's not just the thing you do. It meant so much to be able to come to church, your church, and to be able to worship and to meet with other people. It's all part and parcel of the worshipping of God. So that is important. We're united with the people here and now. And also we have a relationship with those who follow. In other words, the young people are coming behind. They have uh, a relationship with them and we do that through Sunday school and Bible study and all this kind of thing. Relationship with them, they have a relationship with us. So it's all building a part and parcel of the big family of God. And then finally, there's always another side having the obligation as it were, to being part of this sonship. Firstly, obviously, we have to love God. Secondly, we have to be obedient to God with love. And can I say, not obedient to God with fear. Sometimes we find religions and listen to them, and if I don't believe or do A, B, and C, uh, God will not bless me or God will uh, sort of forsake me. Well, God is love. And God wants us to follow him also in love, not with fear. And also, child of God is to walk worthy of the name of the child of God. And that's important in any aspect of life, we belong to any organisation, we belong to church or whatever, that we seem to be walk worthy of that that we belong to. And it's no different to being a child of God, the sonship of God, that we walk worthy of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus. And in conclusion then, John 3, verse 3, has established the fact that we become the children of God through faith in the risen Christ. That's what Easter was all about. We'll come out through Easter, what now? That's what it's all about, that we become children of God through faith in the risen Christ. This faith that saves is not just mental ascent, it's part of it, but it's not just mental ascent, it's through faith to accept Christ to be the one he claimed to be and to trust him to do all he's promised to do. And I leave this with you, this thought, the, I suppose the new birth, in many ways, it is mysterious. And even we find Nicodemus, he was confused about it all until Jesus tried to, tried to clarify with him. And it is mysterious, but also, let's look at it this way, our natural birth is also mysterious. And while we may not understand fully either natural birth or spiritual birth, there's still a reality. The scripture assures us, and I leave you with this, from uh, John chapter 3, 14 and 15, and we read these words, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up as he was in the cross, that whosoever believeth in him 
should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the promise of Easter. That is the aftermath of Easter. And the climate of Easter, that is the assurance, and that is what John in his letter is trying to uh, affirm and confirm to us the assurance of eternal life because of Easter and Christ's resurrection. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.